This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. William Branham taught that each covenant that God gave was still in effect. According to Branham, God just simply added to the covenants and made them greater. In addition, he claimed that the Mosaic Law was still in effect under the New Covenant of Grace, and that the law itself became greater. In 1958, he says this, We went back in Deuteronomy and showed that an illegitimate child, a bastard child, could not even enter the congregation of the Lord for 14 generations. That was under the law, and Christ came to magnify the law. How much more is it now, he says. Ironically, William Branham was less than 14 generations descendant from a bastard child. According to genealogy records, Nancy Branham bore Lewis Riley Branham out of wedlock. That would be Branham's great-grandfather, I believe. But we don't want to discuss the, this particular law. We want to instead discuss the entire idea of law versus grace. Are we still under the law? In 1962, William Branham preached a sermon entitled, The Restoration of the Bride Tree, in which he, let, he mentions the word law almost 70 times. In the sermon, he mentions several things that he claims to be worldly, yet they're not really in the Mosaic Law. These things, he says, were to restore the bride by knowing what was worldly. Some of these things that he mentions include smoking, drinking, gambling, bunco parties, soup suppers, and dancing. Now, didn't David dance? Having studied both William Branham's sermons and the Mosaic Law, I truly believe that William Branham had never read the book of Deuteronomy or Leviticus. Because the Old Covenant, basically, it consisted of two parts. There was a blessing and there was a curse. It was a covenant. It was a contract. There were around 300 blessings if the children of Israel kept the law. 
but they would fall under the curse of the law if they did not keep it. There were around 300 curses that were listed as punishment. And this old covenant was truly a two-part contract. God promised blessings if the children of Israel held up their part, if they kept the law. When Christ came, he magnified the law. He basically brought the law under a microscope so that all would see how sinful they were. Then he fulfilled the part that the children of Israel could not keep. Christ came to fulfill the law. Christ fulfilled the part of the old covenant that the children of Israel could not keep. <clears throat> the Mosaic Law, which Branham claimed to still be in effect, as we showed above, contained many laws that Branham himself did not keep. Some of these include disobedient children should be stoned. Don't let cattle graze with other kinds of cattle. Don't have a variety of crops in the same field. Don't wear clothes that are made of more than one fabric. Don't cut your hair and don't shave. Most of these coming from Leviticus 19 and Deuteronomy 22. Leviticus also mentions any person who curses his mother or father must be killed. If a man cheats on his wife or the wife her husband, both the man and the woman must die. Leviticus 20. If a man has sex with his wife while she's on her period, they're both to be cut off from their people. Leviticus 20. And this is interesting. People looking into the inner thoughts of others. This is what William Branham called discernment. They are to be stoned to death. Leviticus 20. If a priest's daughter is a whore, she is to be burnt at the stake. Leviticus 21. Now, imagine what would happen in some churches in Canada if this were the case. People who have flat noses, or if they're blind or lame, they can't go into the altar of the Lord. It would have totally overturned William Branham's healing campaigns. <clears throat> Anyone who curses or blasphemes God should be stoned to death by the community. Kill anyone with a different religion. If you find a city that worships a different God, destroy the city. Kill everyone in it, even the animals. Deuteronomy 13. Now, concerning the Old Covenant, Branham says this in a 1955 sermon, which he calls Dr. Moses. Branham speaking, he says, And if he did that under the Old Covenant, how much greater is the New Covenant today? If he did that under the type, what will he do under the anti-type? Now, in my opinion, Branham did not fully understand the covenant that God made with Moses, or the New Covenant of Grace. Because partly William Branham was correct, God did magnify the law. But, according to Paul, God did this so that man could see how sinful they were. Regardless of the set of rules in the Old Covenant that were what Paul called the letter of the law. The part that Branham seemed to have missed was the purpose behind the magnification of the law. 
An example is in 1962. He says this. <clears throat> Bram speaking. He said in the Old Atonement, how much better? He said, thou shalt not kill. He had to kill the act. But whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause has killed already. This was Branham's idea of magnifying the law to make the law more powerful, more controlling over the people. He says, he continues, the old covenant said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But this one said, whosoever looketh after a woman to lust hath committed adultery already in their heart. See, it's greater. So healing was lifted up from the old to the new. Now, William Branham is mentioning this, and he mentions healing because he was trying to apply the spiritual blessings that God was going to give the people in the Old Covenant. He was trying to apply this to his own ministry. But, if you go back and you read what these statements are in context in the New Testament, it is clearly Christ showing them that they were already, the, the Jews were already so far beyond understanding the reason for the law. Christ came to magnify the law to show them of their sin. Now, William Branham claimed to have preached the same message that Paul preached. So, in order to find out if he really did, we have to examine the Old Covenant and Mosaic Law and Paul's statements regarding it. <clears throat> so let's examine Hebrews 18. Hebrews 8. Now, Paul speaking in Hebrews 8. Now, the point in which we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places in the true tent that the Lord has set up, not man. Notice that Paul says, not man. He did not say that he was the messenger for the age, as William Branham taught. Paul said our new minister was the Lord. Let's continue. Paul says, For every high priest is anointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it is necessary for this high priest to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect a tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ obtained a ministry that was much more excellent than the old covenant. He mediates better because it is enacted on better promises. Then Paul says, For... If that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need, no occasion for a second. Now I want to pause here. Paul basically just called the Old Covenant faulty. Within the Old Covenant was the law. <clears throat> According to Paul, there would have been no need for a new covenant if the first covenant were sound. And let's compare this with Branham's statements in a sermon called Jehovah Jireh. Branham says, God hasn't taken his covenant away from you. Really? But your blessing is gone because you've got worldly. You went out into the world and you began to flirt with the world. 
then you're coming out of the promise. But the covenant still holds. The only thing you have to do is come back. He places it on you. See, according to William Branham, the people were faulty, not the covenant. And the covenant was still in effect, according to Branham. The law was still in effect. Let's continue what Paul says. Paul says, For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law into their minds, and I will write them in their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one to his neighbor and each one to his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. So, let's ask ourselves, is the Old Covenant still in effect, as Branham claimed? Was Paul wrong? And why does Branham pick and choose which of the Old Covenant laws that he wishes to keep? Did William Branham stone his children when they disobeyed? Let's see how Paul ends this subject. <clears throat> Paul says, in speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. Let me reread this. Paul says, in speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So, as Christians, we should ask ourselves, why did we follow a man who seemingly did not even know the subjects that he taught? And why did we allow him to impose rules that are not even in Scripture? Some of which, like dancing, David. David danced. Why did nobody stand up and remind William Branham that his great-grandfather was an illegitimate child when he was preaching so harshly against, against uh, these children born out of wedlock? And why did we willfully ignore the gospel of grace that Paul preached just to accept the message of law that William Branham preached? Why did we choose to believe William Branham over the Apostle Paul? I'll let you decide.